Well, it's day two, or was today. We're almost into day three, I'm sure, of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations in Britain. The monarch herself, of course, was absent this morning uh, from the Thanksgiving service at St. Paul's in London. The 96-year-old skipped the event at St. Paul's Cathedral due to what was called mobility issues. The Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, lamented the Queen's absence today. Your Majesty, we are sorry that you're not here with us this morning. But we are so glad that you are still in the saddle. And we are glad that there is still more to come. So thank you for staying the course. Well, the palace says the Queen was forced to step back after experiencing discomfort following yesterday's celebration events. She watched the service this morning instead on TV. But this royal watcher says she fears for the Queen's health. I mean, she's a really good age, isn't she? And she's been marvellous, but you can see a deterioration in her. So I just hope she can have some bit of quality life, really. Queen Elizabeth will not be attending Saturday's 243rd Epsom Derby, uh, marking uh, the second Platinum Jubilee event she's had to pull out of because of those mobility issues. Uh, she, Pilots again confirmed that she'll be watching uh, the event on TV at Windsor Castle. Again, over the past while, mobility issues have forced the Queen to miss several public events uh, with Prince Charles and other members of the royal family taking her place. And in many ways, it is a bit of a glimpse into the future for Britain's monarchy. Even as Britain celebrates the Queen's 70 years, questions abound about what comes next for the House of Windsor and for Britain. Or as one author put it, quote, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee is giving Britain's four four days off to reflect on how much their country has changed in 70 years and how little they agree about where it should go next. Well, joining me now is said author from London is Tom Rachman. He's a Canadian-British writer based in England whose novels include The Imperfectionists, The Rise and Fall of Great Powers, The Italian Teacher, and the upcoming The Imposters. Tom Rachman, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me on, Ben. I was there for the Diamond Jubilee 10 years ago, and it is a pretty impressive uh, celebration, I found, at least in, in, in the London area, because there isn't really a, a Canada Day in England. There isn't really a Independence Day in England, obviously. Uh, what's the mood like? What's the mood been like this time around? Well, the mood these days is, is harder to gauge than ever in this post-COVID or COVID era, because everybody's sort of displaced and uh, some people are still stuck at home. But this is a day where these past few days of the Jubilee celebrations have been days where it's actually probably better to be stuck at home than be trying than be trying to to cross London because there are events everywhere where there aren't events there are traffic problems so um, it's it's been pretty crazy I think you have the the country is probably split among um, a a small number of people let's say a minority who are wildly enthused about it and then a minority who are bitterly opposed to it. And then probably a, uh, a majority of people who like the idea of a nice celebration and they'll go along with it if they can and aren't too bothered one way or the other. It is the first Jubilee celebration since the Scottish referendum, uh, since Brexit. Uh, how, how has that impacted sort of the spirit of the nation? Because again, it felt like the Jubilee celebrations, as much as they are, you know, a, a celebration of the Queen, who still remains popular, they did feel sort of like a celebration of Britain, or at least England, on the day of. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I think that you, you might imagine that a situation like this, because it's about the Queen and it's not about politics directly, that it would be an opportunity for the country to unite. 
But if you look at the polls, it actually shows that people are a little less enthused about the monarchy than they ever have been. And more generally, there is a sense around Britain of bitterness, I would say. Uh, it's part of that bitterness I think you can experience in probably in many other countries of the West at the moment for lots of different reasons. But in this country, one of the core issues is, of course, Brexit. So the 2016 referendum that took place here uh, not only split Britain from its allies in Europe, in the European Union, it very profoundly split Britons themselves. Um, the vote was 52 to 48. And I would say that um, to this day, the, the country is, is bitterly divided. And those sorts of loyalties of whether you were for remain or for leave um, continue to, to um, hold a great deal of power over people and uh, polarize the nation. More generally, we're really starting to feel the effects of Brexit. Um, prices are going up and the, the, uh, the economy is stagnating much more than other equivalent economies. So it's, uh, it's, there's also masses of new red tape and problems small and large with dealing with our closest neighbors here. So it's not been a very good period for, for British politics. It's not been a good period for the people. And the whole sense of British identity on, on top of that has, I would say, been clouded and complicated a great deal um, also by the fact that over the past years, there's been a greater concern with the history of Britain, the history of empire and um, recriminations and concerns about what uh, Britain in its past did in the name of empire building and how many people it harmed and, and how many countries it, it colonized and sometimes with a great deal of brutality. And so the question of quite what Britain is anymore is not such an obvious thing for people. They can't easily um, uh, hug onto that. And uh, for that reason, the view of the queen herself is sometimes a little bit more diffident than you would imagine. Yeah, because I mean, the monarchy was always sort of the safety valve, right? I mean, I felt that way when it came in England that, uh, and this was not always true. Obviously, the 90s was a difficult time for the royal family. Uh, but certainly in, in this century, the, the monarchy sort of provided a safety valve for some of the other issues going on uh, in British politics and, and in British society more broadly. It feels like that that isn't quite the case. As you've mentioned, that isn't quite the case this time. In other words, because of also the passing of Prince Philip as well, uh, the Queen's husband, it feels a bit somber this time around, like somehow this is the end of an era um, without putting too fine a point on it. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, nobody can deny that uh, the Queen is 96 years old. And um, and you can't imagine that she's going to have many more jubilees. And she is um, clearly in failing health. Uh, I wouldn't say that her life is in peril to anybody, to my knowledge, certainly it's, it's not the case. But she's, um, she's actually extraordinarily hearty and hale for somebody of 96 years old. But time does take its toll. And she has lately had um, suffered from uh, physical ailments and her mobility is hampered. So there was a big celebration today at uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, and she was unable to attend that, though the rest of the royal family did. And in a way, the scene that you see unfolding there gives a little insight into, into some of the problems that the royal family is facing, that she is in the twilight of her, of her reign. And those royals who turned up for that celebration at the cathedral were not figures who have the same sort of place in the, in the national identity uh, and certainly don't, don't enjoy the same sort of affection that she does. So, for example, Prince Charles, who 
is a uh, is has never been a particularly popular figure quite aside from the troubles that he had with diana he's always been a a slightly stiff and awkward man in public and um the the people have failed to to really warm to him and the tabloid newspapers haven't helped and then you have the next generation um prince william is relatively popular at the moment uh, but there have been an awful lot of troubles with prince harry and his wife meghan markle that have have had, both of them have questioned the the royal family and made an, an accusation of racism against a member of the royal family who was not who was not named um so i think that when the public are looking at what's going to come next it's not such an easy picture not one that is easy to to love and also quite aside from the particular characters of, of, who are going to be coming in these next generations it's also the fact that the queen and the monarchy is supposed to represent stability and the queen represents a connection with um with the really with the blitz years which continue to be the period that britain is proudest of when the british people really stuck together and they fought against an indisputably um evil the indisputable evil that they helped to to defeat and that's a moment of such national pride that the british people are very frequently looking back on that um with affection and uh, and she was a figure who was who was there she wasn't yet the queen but she was a uh, princess elizabeth at that point and and she actually suffered a bombing at buckingham palace and so she was with the people then and therefore is still seen as a connection with a with a period when britain felt more sure of itself in the world um so i think that people have given her more latitude once she's gone the next generations will be viewed on it completely different terms the 21st century terms where there's social media and you're expected to to take stands and take positions and i think it's going to be a great deal harder for them I'm speaking with Tom Rockman, a Canadian British author based in England whose novels include The Imperfectionists. Uh, upcoming is The Impostors. We're talking about the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, uh, what the mood is like in London, some of the challenges of course facing uh, the royal family with the passing this year of Prince Philip, uh, the Queen of course getting older, 96 this year, and and also some of the challenges we've seen of late, uh, particularly on trips to the Caribbean for uh, Prince William and Kate, uh, the recent trip to Canada by Prince Charles and Camilla. Uh, some of the past is coming back now and questions are being asked. We'll get to that after this. I'm speaking with Tom Rockman, a Canadian-British author based in England, uh, whose novels you may know include The Imperfectionists, uh, The Italian Teacher, and The Upcoming Imposters. Uh, we've been talking about the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and just some of the, the atmosphere surrounding it. It's certainly from what we see from this side of, uh, of the Atlantic, it is quite celebratory, but it also masks uh, some deep divides in British society these days. Uh, and uh, those used to be what the monarchy was best at, uh, at uniting and best at fixing, bringing the, the country together, bringing Britain together. At this point, though, that is a harder task. You mentioned it in, in the first part of the interview, uh, but it, it's been a difficult year that, you know, the idea of, of the sun never sets on the British Empire is now starting to be questioned. I mean, starting the, the history is starting to be questioned. We saw that certainly uh, with uh, Prince William and Kate's disastrous trip to the Caribbean. Uh, and to some extent, we also saw it with Prince Charles and Camilla when they were here just recently, again, to mark the Platinum Jubilee. How is that being seen in Britain? Yeah, I, I think that the the view from here is that um, it is not it's not a great deal clearer than it is anywhere else. And so far as people feel very conflicted about this, um, I think there are people who still want to just feel proud of their country and of its grand history, and there are others who are looking at that history with greater scrutiny. 
and feel ashamed even, uh, or at least disturbed by elements of what the British Empire was involved in and, and what its, its soldiers and officials did in the name of, uh, of Britain. So it's a much more ambivalent view of the past uh, than has ever been the case um, before, I think. You know, the, the, the loss of the empire um, that, that really sort of took full force after the Second World War is something that Britain st- still struggles to really digest. And um, I think that uh, it realizes that it's not a superpower like the United States. Uh, but at the same time, I, it still has some pretensions to to being a really great and important power. And in some respects, it, it, I think it's, it's a, still a kind of overachiever, relatively small island in the, in the North Sea. Um, but at the same time, it is not what it once was. And what it once was is not what it once was either, insofar as we're now all looking at it with a much, I think, uh, much more clear and honest eye and one that is, um, is painful. And it's not just it's it's different because in the past, the British citizens would have been the ones who, let's say, were on the, the colonial side. So either they wouldn't have been aware of some of the, 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 the terrible brutality that was going on in the colonies, or they would have been aware and perhaps would have condoned it. But it's not that way. It's not so simple anymore because millions and millions of um, people who were on the other side of that equation, people who were actually colonized, are now citizens of Britain and are as British as anybody else. And therefore, the entire nature of what it is to be British is a great deal more complex and ambivalent. Uh, there was a, um, an excellent uh, book that came out, uh, I believe, last year by a, a British writer called uh, Satnam Sanghera called Empire Land, How Imperialism Has Shaped Modern Britain. And what he's really calling for is he's calling for uh, this country to look more honestly and directly at the past. And uh, Sanghera himself was raised in England, is the son of Punjabi immigrants, and he considers himself British just as much as anybody else here. And he also takes pride in the in some of the British achievements of the past, and that includes many elements of empire. Equally, he's appalled by many of the things that, that uh, the empire did. So I think that his point and that of, of more and more people is that it's time for Britain to really absorb its past and look more honestly and fully at what happened and try to reckon with it. Uh, and I think that in a way, part of the failure to do that is a little bit um, ha- had something to do with the Brexit itself, because that was a kind of spasm of, of post-empire nationalism in many ways. It was a wish to regain the past, to make Britain great again in a way that frankly didn't match up with the reality of the globe today. You've mentioned this in an op-ed that you've written for the Globe and Mail, but the Queen has been uh, remarkable at being apolitical for all these years, uh, really being someone whose opinions you couldn't know, wouldn't know, things that weren't shared, uh, mostly. Uh, you you posit that that the monarchy can't be that post-Queen Elizabeth, that it will not work. Uh, and that's going to be a real challenge for, for the monarchy to to find where it belongs in modern Britain. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I think that uh, it's been said of the British monarchs that there isn't a job description that if you are the king or the queen, then you need to adapt to the time that you're in because no, uh, no reign is going to be the same as any other in a different period. And um, 
it is the, the, the case that the monarchy in Britain, the monarch in Britain is not really supposed to have any political opinions or not supposed to state them. It's part of the constitutional agreement here. There's Britain has a very odd setup in that there is no written constitution, so no single document. It's just the accumulation of years and centuries, I should say, of different um, acts of parliament and traditions and so forth. And they're all sort of, they're referred to as the constitution and part of it was that when um, absolute power was taken away from the, the monarch uh, over the centuries, that, that monarch eventually became just a, a ceremonial position. Uh, still significant, still had sway, but was allowed to stay there in those beautiful palaces with the lovely crowns, so long as she or he didn't barge into politics. Now, the queen has, has kept out of politics with um, great fidelity. She's extremely cautious. And in fact, it's hard to know if she stands for anything at all most of the time, because she won't talk on even pretty uh, clear issues, pretty important issues for the the future of the nation. I'm not so sure that's going to be possible in the future. I just don't know anymore whether somebody who is in their in their um, 30s, in their 40s, in this day and age, with this kind of constant uh, attention and sometimes uh, pitiless um, scrutiny that comes from social media, that, that it will be acceptable just to say, I'm not going to mention it, I'm not going to talk about it. If, for example, it's an issue of responsibility for slavery, uh, reparations that um, Britain is now being pressed to pay, um, particularly by Caribbean nations. Uh, many of them are now looking to break from Britain and no longer have the monarch as, it, as their, their head of state. And part of that is linked to this idea that, that Britain needs to somehow come to terms with its past and apologize and probably pay too. Now, is that a political issue? Uh, that's debatable, but the, the royals have tended to be circumspect about, about diving into that. Um, not just because they could be seen to represent a view that the, the British government doesn't endorse on something like paying a large, large amount um, of public funds, but also because the royals themselves uh, have a history in this. The, the, the royal family's ancestors were themselves, uh, starting with Elizabeth I, endorsed um, the first uh, slave, English slave traders trip. And subsequent uh, monarchs even uh, profited from this trade. So it's a very, very tricky for them. And I don't think that they're going to be able to just um, stay quiet on this in the future and on many other issues. So I think that the this sort of peace and, and uh, love that the queen enjoys is, is likely to be eclipsed by a much more stormy future for this, this family. Tom Rockman, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you.